Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I wish, like our normal segments, we were just talking ball. But unfortunately, we lost a great Redskins legend over the weekend. I'm just curious, when you think of Joe Bugle, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Well, you know, it's really funny, you guys, and thanks for having me on. My memories of Bukes, first of all, intense individual, just incredibly intense. Uh, I had a long conversation with Jeff Bostic yesterday, obviously one of the hogs and, you know, the centerpiece of our offensive line. And, you know, he was telling stories about Bukes. When he would get upset, he'd pick something up in the room and throw it. And our meeting room wasn't too far from there, so you could tell when Joe was upset. Let's put it that way. I mean, it uh, it wasn't a quiet room. It was very intense that way. But what nobody really knows is um, in 1985, actually the end of the 84 season, I spent one game in the shotgun. It was against the Bears. So we worked in the entire offseason, and I got so excited about the fact that I was going to be able to work out of a shotgun. I was going to be away from the line of scrimmage. I could use you know, athletic skills to avoid people to make plays. And and uh, it worked out pretty well against the Bears. We wound up losing to that great Bear team. So first preseason game, we played the Raiders out in the Coliseum in Los Angeles. First third down, Jeff snaps the ball over my head in the gun. <laughs> I come to the sidelines, and Coach Gibb goes, no more shotgun. I said, Joe, and Joe used to do this to me all the time. To stop me short in my conversation, he would go, eh. He's, I said, Joe, he goes, eh. I said, no more shotgun. Well, that was the end of the shotgun. It was one play against the, the, the Raiders out in Los Angeles. Come to find out, Bukes had been politicking to get out of the shotgun because he said we just didn't look good in it. It wasn't who we were. It didn't make us look tough. It didn't give us a chance to be able to have John's presence uh, as much as we wanted. And so Buke was really the one man responsible for me not being able to operate out of a shotgun in 1985. And we used to laugh about it all the time. And he used to he used to scrunch his nose up and go, you know, it's just not us. It's just not us. And God love him. I mean, he was uh, he was intense. He was a tactician. Uh, very insistent on techniques with his guys, which I think was quite obvious with the way and the efficiency with which the, the Hogs operated. But Bukes um, was something special. I mean, he was – that whole coaching staff was unique, but Joe was the one who was the one who would really uh, go nuts, I guess you could say. Joe, what was your first impression? Uh, when did you meet him? Take us back then. 
Um, when he joined the staff with Coach Gibbs, um, and m- most of my interaction was with Coach Gibbs because he was, the, even though Joe Bugle was our quote-unquote offensive coordinator, the installations were all, with the quarterbacks, was all Joe Gibbs and Dan Henning at that time. So my interaction w- was with them a lot. But I used to observe, obviously, when I wasn't working, I would see him with his offensive line. I thought, man, this guy is wound tighter than a drum. I mean, I'm first thing I thought of was I'm glad I'm not an offensive lineman, okay? Because he, <laughs> he would just ride them mercilessly. Um, but he was very demanding, and, and the guys responded. I mean, I, I really think that – I was telling, talking to Jeff yesterday. He said, in Bukes' meetings, you sat on the edge of your seat because you never quite knew what was coming. You'd think you did okay, but then you'd find out it wasn't as good as you thought. Joe, what I'm curious about, we just talked to Joe Jacoby, and it kind of hit me as he was talking about the reverence he had for his coach. And and I've heard this so much when you talk about Gibbs as well. I understand that times are different. And there hadn't even been an era since where players and coaches were together as long as those groups are. But do you think those teams won championships because they were so close and there was so much love? Or do you think they're so close and there's so much love because they won championships, like in a chicken or the egg kind of way? I think closeness and love and appreciation and respect can be talent every day. Uh, you can take a group of very talented people and put them together. And we've seen it in sports. In a lot of team sports, you see a very talented group of people. Um, and yet there isn't a cohesiveness. There isn't a feeling for one another. I tell people all the time, when I was in broadcasting, I could walk through a locker room and tell you whether that team had a chance to be successful or not based upon the interaction of the players, the conversation, the feeling that you get. And you guys know this. You can walk into a room and you get a sense of what that room is like. I guarantee everybody listening has done the same thing. It's the same thing in a locker room. And, and our, uh, the cohesiveness, the respect, the, the appreciation. I mean, I saw Coach Gibbs. I played for Joe from 1981 to 1985. I saw Joe in our locker room maybe four times. He used to come out of the coach's locker room, go right through the equipment room, go right out on the field. The, our, the locker room was ours. You know, he allowed us to own the locker room. He allowed us to take care of one another. He allowed us to handle the problems in the locker room ourselves. We didn't need somebody to come in and tell us what was necessary. He laid a foundation for us. And, you know, I, I talk about Coach Gibbs and I talk about Coach Belichick in this regard. They both created an environment with an expectation of excellence. You weren't expected just to go out and practice and go through the motions. You were expected to be at a very high level. And that's what Bukes was all about. Bukes was, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it the right way. I mean, isn't that fun? Um, I remember, I think, in Stripes, uh, where the guys march, they come out, and they, they march around in like a straight line, and they wind up lining up. Our offensive line used to break the huddle that way. Well, one day, one day I'm in the huddle, I call a play, and these guys sort of march around in a straight line. I'm going, what was that? <laughs> um, but Joe, let, Joe allowed them to be themselves, but yet was very, very particular when it came to being a technician on what the guys were supposed to do, where your hand was supposed to go, where your head was supposed to go, the steps you were supposed to take. He was very particular, and, and I think that was a large part of, of the respect that everybody had for him but also understanding the talent of individuals. 
Joe Jacoby and Russ Grimm were the leads on the counter trade. George Stark and Mark May weren't quite as agile going the other way, so we didn't run we didn't run a lot of counter trade left. We didn't, we we ran mostly to the right because Rusty and uh, Rusty and Jake, you know, could lead the way. Joe Theismann with us, remembering life and times of Joe Bugle, beloved uh, Redskins coach, uh, who passed over the weekend. Joe, this is something that was was on my mind here. I, I don't know Joe Gibbs like you do, but Joe Gibbs has always come across as a very you know. Uh, straight-laced gentleman, uh, Christian, doesn't like cursing, and is sort of, you know, a very, just a, a very kind, kind person. Joe Bugle seemed like he was a maniac at, at certain points. <laughs> How are those guys so close? I mean, that's like the odd couple, right? I mean, you get, you get Bugles really out on the, on the hash marks yelling at people and, and, and using a particular <laughs> finger towards the other sideline. How did that work? Uh, you know what? I, I, think it's, I think it's a credit to, to Coach Gibbs that, you know, he, he knew Bugles. I mean, the first I think one of the first hires he had when he came back in, I think, 06 was Bukes. I mean, he, he brought Bro back. He brought Bukes back. These were people that he knew. Uh, he knew they knew how to teach like he wanted the system taught, and he allowed them to teach it their way. Uh, I think that's, to me, that's one of the greatest signs of leadership is to, number one, know what you don't know, and secondly, empower the people that you bring in to be able to do the job and get it done. The way they see fit, obviously within parameters, but the way they the, the way that they see fit. And you're right; they were they were truly like an odd couple. Bugs was always scowling at somebody, and Coach Gibbs was always deep in thought. To see them at work the second time around for younger Redskins fans growing up like myself too, and the energy they still had and the passion with which they coach. And I'm sure in the case of Bugle, I mean Jacoby was saying he's not sure he could even coach the way that. He did back then. Today, it wouldn't work. And, and I don't know in that 04 to the 09 time frame, you know, or I guess it was uh, through that 07 season, you know, if they were able to coach the same way or if Bugle was. But it was just amazing to me because I remember when Gibbs came back and, and, Joe, it was like, you know, just from all the stories I'd heard, my parents talking to me, it was like Santa Claus showing up, right? And he calls Absolutely. up all the, those guys and he gets the band together. And I remember thinking, just as a kid, I'm thinking, these guys are so much older than these players. But you saw right away how much the players loved them. And what you were talking about is just whatever that special feeling is. I remember the five-game winning streak for the first time in 05 and getting the – I got the whole thing. I was like, I get the Joe Gibbs fascination. I get it all now. Because that team wasn't that good. But, man, for that month, I mean, if that heater continues, that's how you, that's how you win the Super Bowl. But I guess I'm curious – do you, you were around that team. Was Bugle different? Did, did they make major changes? And what did you think of them that second go-round? Bugle was a little bit different. I think, I think you know, time, having a head coach, uh, a couple places he was in Arizona and, and the Raiders. Uh, it, it, you know, every year you grow and you learn. And it, it, you're right. I think it's, um, it was a different type of an athlete than it was in the 80s. Uh, in, in the 2000s, you had a different kind of an athlete. Uh, he adapted. He still demanded things, but um, wasn't quite the same. You know, crazy kind of go after people, yell at people kind of uh, situation. You know, everything. Part of being, I think, a good leader is understanding what's going on. You know, look around, see how things are changing. It's like, you know, I, I talked about not being able to run the shotgun. All of a sudden, Coach Gibbs comes back, and we're running a shotgun. I'm going, what is this? But, you know, what is, what's going on here? You know, you wouldn't let me run it. He said, he said to me, he says, you know, Joe, times have changed. I'm going, what? 
I mean, I mean, we had the gun back then. We could have used it. But, I, you know, I, I think the athlete, the, the way coaches have to coach depends upon the athlete. To me, you know, a group like Bukes had would be a bunch, like, a, like a group of his children. You don't treat everyone the same way. You know, you've heard Jimmy Johnson talk about it, and you, different, different great coaches have talked about how they handle an organization, how they handle their players. Um, you have to understand what a player will respond to. Some people will respond to being yelled at, oh, get the job done for crying out. Somebody will respond. If you yell at others, they go into a shell. So I think one of the most uh, – that was, and that was the thing I think Bugue was, was learning, was, you know, what can I say to these kids? How can I treat these kids? What can I ask of these kids and, and get the most out of them? So that's a continuing learning process. And I think, you know, having been a head coach places, he got a different perspective. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.